0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howell.
1: Hey, Jonathan. How's it going?
0: This is really awkward, Amy.
1: Yeah, you you sound a little subdued this week. You want to explain why?
0: Because I'm sitting in the B Terminal at the Atlanta airport right now. But it's all good.
1: Yeah, it, it changes the recording dynamic, doesn't it? it? And you know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to be like extra expressive on my end i'm not going to do that but it makes me want to be extra expressive because i'm just sitting here in my house like normal nobody's in the room except for coco and so i can just talk but you you're you got a mask on you got like some people in the background i can hear so you you really can't go all out on things uh so it's it's tempting me but yeah
0: thanks appreciate that yes you did this before so I think you were in the Minneapolis I, airport.
1: I did. I did record in the Minneapolis oh, airport once. Yeah. So. One,
0: one that you could probably find a little secluded spot in, unlike y- Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport.
1: Yeah, Atlanta's different. Yes.
0: Eh, just a bit. Just a bit. Anyway, well, hey, we'll get after it. We've got a big episode. Who knew that 300 would be me recording from Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport? So it is yeah. 300, though. Congratulations. We made it Congrats. 300 episodes. Yes. How cool is that? And we've got a cool interview coming up later in the show. With Art Tolston, formerly of Baptist Press, uh, spent 28 years at Baptist Press, and he's going to join us here in just a little bit on the show. And then we've got a, a special surprise at the end of the show from our we do. official missionaries of the pod.
1: Yes, yeah. yes, but we'll so. hold off on that. We'll explain yes. that at the end. Got to we'll listen. Got to listen to the end to hear it. Yep. All right.
0: And also, before we jump into it, do want to thank our sponsors, and uh, we mentioned them last week because uh, they had graduation. We've talked about them in the last couple of weeks, but uh, this fall, Southwestern Seminary announced a new joint Master of Divinity and Master of Business Administration degree built in partnership with Dallas Baptist University. This new degree path is designed to equip believers with a versatile degree for today's church and marketplace. Equipped with deep theological knowledge and flexible business skills, men and women will be able to use this training to take the gospel all over the world, wherever God may call them. If you're interested in this new joint MDiv MBA, then visit swbts.edu/mdivmba for more information.
1: All right, so let's jump into the news.
0: Well, I, I think the the guy next to me is is actually looking that up right now. He's going to enroll, I think. So, I'm kidding. It's a joke, Amy. There's nobody next to me. I try to get as secluded as I could, but who knows? Somebody will. If there's an application today from, you know, the, the location points to the Atlanta Airport, Colby, and you, you owe us like an extra month on the pod so (laughs) anyway (sighs) all
1: right right.
0: well let's jump into it some serious business actually to attend to this week amy uh we've had a uh, ongoing conversation in the spc with uh regarding race regarding a seminary president statement that came out a couple of weeks ago there was a statement last friday by marshall osbury of the uh, naaf and uh, they put out a statement in response to that there's been another statement yet again today Uh, Kind of undergirding that statement from NAF last week Um, Osberry wrote in the statement and the letter from NAF last week that we affirm that systemic racism exists and Like all Southern Baptists we oppose racism in all its forms We do realize that there are theories and constructs that help us see and discover otherwise undetected systemic racism in institutions and ourselves and uh, They affirm the ideologies do not supplant by any means the supremacy of Holy Scripture and where such ideologies conflict with Scripture the scripture that governs our worldview, our decisions, and our lives. That full statement is over at Baptist Press, as well as the story today on the statement from uh, a group of pastors, including former SBC president, Fred Luter. Yes.
1: Yeah, so as this develops, if there are, are more things, we'll add links to the show notes uh, because it does seem to be an ongoing conversation.
0: Yes. All right. So uh, some other news from Southwestern this week, David Dockery, has been named the interim provost at Southwestern after Randy Stinson uh, announced his uh, departure from the school to focus on his health due to a, quote, recurrence of a years-long struggle with substance abuse that has exacted a progressively burdensome toll on my family and my health.
1: Yeah, so this came as a real surprise to many. Certainly, we feel the gravity of a statement like this, and prayers, and, and just our hearts are with uh, the Stinson family. I've known them for a very long time, and so I was just deeply uh, affected by this when the news came out. Um, but as, as uh, the institution has to continue on, and they need sort of a seamless transition, Dr. Dockery has been stepped in and he has some experience in this he was served as the provost at southern seminary years ago uh, before i before i worked there before he became president of union university and so he's and obviously president of union university and trinity he definitely knows a lot about higher ed and what to do so he'll be able to kind of step in and handle things immediately but still very very tough very tough news
0: yeah, very tough. So be in prayer for the Stinson's as well as our friends over at Southwestern. Um, some good news, Amy. Lifeway has donated nearly 30,000 Spanish Bibles to struggling Venezuelan communities uh, down in the uh, the South American country, kind of ravaged by, by famine and poverty.
1: Yeah, this is a, a, really, a really neat story that, what they did it was bibles of nine different types for distribution across Venezuela is through a global ministry partner that distributes copies of God's word throughout Venezuela and so it had large print bibles reference bibles a bible that's suited for students things like that so really really neat opportunity even in the midst of covid it it they were able to do this so they had five different categories of people. They had church members who did not own a Bible. They had new believers who did not own a Bible. Elderly church members that might need a large print Bible. Pastors who didn't own a reference Bible or a study Bible. And then youth who were from economically vulnerable believing families or new believers who didn't own a Bible so they could get the student Bibles. And so just a great focused opportunity to get the Scripture into the hands of people.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, a really, really cool story from Lifeway. Uh, The RVR is like one of the top selling, or if not the top selling, Spanish Bible in the world. So, Lifeway has uh, been Spanish publisher many times, or Spanish publisher of the year many times over over the past few years. And uh, congratulations to them on this really cool effort down in Venezuela. Some good news over at the EC, Amy. We have a new uh, coworker. We've talked about, I think, on the podcast. We may have mentioned in the last couple of weeks, but Scott Barkley. Officially joined us December 1st, and there's a story in Baptist Press this week really uh, capping that off and, and welcoming him to the team.
1: Yeah, he is the national correspondent uh, who's come to us. He was at the Christian Index for 16 years and most recently was the editor for the last couple of years. So very, very excited to have him join the team. He was really part of that, their transition from print to digital. Um, And already, I just love having him on the team as part of our meetings. Just a great, great guy. Already respected him as a writer and an editor, but really good to, to be working with him day to day
0: absolutely so welcome aboard scott we'll have to get him on here uh, for an interview amy at some point so be good to have him on here and talk to him we need to get him diana everybody we need to have the whole team on here one day george we need we need need george George. schroeder george george
1: i didn't get get to do that though
0: well if you come to the office once in a while i guess (laughs) all right uh some news from florida a florida pastor from olivet baptist church in milton Uh, has been arrested and charged with possession of child pornography. William Dalton Milam, 62-year-old former pastor, uh, was in jail on a $2.7 million bond earlier this week. He's charged with two counts of promoting sexual performance of a child and 25 counts of possession of child pornography. Uh, The church did fire him immediately upon the arrest. So we will follow this story, and if anything changes or uh, any additions happen in this, we will give you an update. Speaking of updates, we have an update to the McCraney versus NAM lawsuit. Uh, NAM has filed a motion for a stay, and I checked with NAM earlier today. They have not heard back yet on that, uh, but they have filed a motion for a stay in the case. Remember last month we talked about how it went back down to the uh, district court in North Mississippi. Uh, well, they have filed a stay in that case with an intent to petition the Supreme Court to have the Fifth Circuit hear their en banc request. So this one would not be heard by the Supreme Court. A Supreme Court, a favorable ruling for Nam in this, would mean that the Fifth Circuit would hear their en banc request of an appeal to the or the decision that was overturned. So we'll keep an updated on this. We'll let you know what happens with this one. Um, but they're expecting to file the petition for the Supreme Court to have the Fifth Circuit hear the en banc request in the first part of 2021. So... We will uh we'll keep you updated on that. There's a lot going on there. All right, so we got some good news from our seminaries. Great Commission is the first priority. Jason Allen tells Midwestern graduates that's uh the Midwestern headline, and Great Commission DNA is Aiken's hope for Southeastern graduates. So we got some Great Commission graduates being sent out from our seminaries. What a great thing this is.
1: Yes, yeah, so both of these stories uh, just add to some of the stories we've. Already shared about graduations, and every seminary had to do things differently. Um, Midwestern was able to have ceremonies on campus. They had four separate ceremonies over nine hours, and it looks like from the photo here that they had people sitting with their family units. So, you know, all of this is just a very different experience, uh, kind of unforgettable. But they were able they were able to do that, and then. President Jason Allen shared, you know, this was an unusual commencement service, but God's grace is here, he said. And so he focused his address on the Great Commission, in and in the title was First Things First, so really pushing those graduates out. And they had 222 students from the fall graduating class who got certificates or degrees, and then they also allowed any spring graduates that might want to that might want to walk they could because those had been canceled southeastern had to do theirs online it was uh it, it just became a point particularly the way north carolina's numbers were going that they changed it so that was a virtual graduation to celebrate the 274 fall graduates and so danny aiken did his address from the rotunda that photo there is really great because it's a the rotunda is really beautiful at southeastern and has has a, in the in the main administrative building, and has a large Christmas tree in there. So he's in front of the tree, and he says, "My prayer is that your time at Southeastern has instilled in you the Great Commission DNA, so that wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be on Great Commission mission for the Lord Jesus Christ." So that was uh, a time that everyone where they were could experience, and the hope would be that you know graduation would happen in the spring, but you know. Um I usually I, sometimes I'm able to go over for graduation sometimes not this time it was really odd because you know I just said okay have a good day at work and sent him up because no one was coming to campus so it was just the provost went in and there there he was he had some some things to share and the deans and others but it was being broadcast everywhere So definitely different times.
0: Yes, definitely. All right, some news out of D.C. Next month, Amy, is the March for Life up in the Washington, D.C. area. Southern Baptist presence every year at this uh, big event. I mean, huge, probably one of the largest life events of the year. Well, there's going to be an added Southern Baptist presence next year. J.D. Greer is speaking at the event. He'll be the first SBC president to speak at the March for Life, which really surprised me.
1: Yeah, we actually had to do some digging to look and confirm this, but he is. And so there have been some other SBC leaders that have addressed the crowd in the past, including Richard Land, when he was president of the Christian Life Commission, and then it became the ERLC, uh, as well as David Platt. He prayed there this past year. But this is the first time an SBC president is on the speaking docket. So... Really, really cool.
0: Kind of cool. Speaking of cool things, the RLC has a record 10 ultrasound machines uh, that they're getting ready to donate here in 2021.
1: This was a great, a great announcement. So this comes out of the Psalm 139 project, which helps purchase sonogram technology. And it also helps fund staff members training so they can operate the machines. And that helps place ultrasound equipment everywhere. They've been doing this since 2004, so a really long time. The Psalm 139 Project has. They've done this in 16 different states, and so they were able to donate 10 more. Awesome. That needs to just keep happening, I think. That's a very important piece of these crisis pregnancy centers to be able to have that equipment.
0: Yes, absolutely. Amy. And uh, we got an update here to close out the news this week. Uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. has dropped a defamation lawsuit that had been filed against Liberty University.
1: He said, I've decided to take a time out from my litigation against Liberty University, but I will continue to keep all options on the table for an appropriate resolution to the matter. So that was just an announcement that dropped and kind of put a bow on that story, at least for now. He says his options are on the table. So if it if it comes back up. We'll let you know.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it for our news this week. And bring us to our interview with the one and only Art Tolston. All right. Joining us on this special 300th episode of SBC this week is the one and only Art Tolston. Art, it is so good to have you on here.
2: Well, thanks. It's uh, quite an honor to be here.
1: Good friend of the pod. Yes. Uh, from basically from the beginning, like you, you've hung with us for a really long time when we were having to work out all the kinks and things. So, um, so we, we are excited. This is the right episode for you to come and join us for a conversation.
2: you all have been at it and so well. So, uh,
0: it, it took me 299 episodes to convince Amy to let you on here. Art I've been trying for like that five and a half not years. True.
1: <laughs> that, that is not true. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow. All right. Well, hey, for those of our listeners who don't know you, Art, you used to be at Baptist Press. You were the senior editor for a while. You were the, the editor of Baptist Press for that as well. Uh, started in 1992, retired just last year. Kind of neat thing. We got to work together for about a month. You retired. You had already announced your retirement and you were leaving at the end of September. I started at the beginning of September. So we worked together for a month. I was your boss for a month. Um, so I, yeah. that I can claim the fame on that. Amy's claim to fame the last story you wrote as a Baptist Press employee was Amy's announcement uh, that she was coming to work at the executive committee.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: That was a that that story. I was honored that Art Tolstoy actually wrote a story about me. I didn't even think I needed a story, but if Art Tolstoy was going to write it, that meant a lot because I have a lot of respect for art in all the days that I have worked in Southern Baptist communications. So that's kind of cool, but, um, but we want to hear because art has had a front row seat to so many things in, um, in SBC history. And so we want to hear some about that today. Yes, Right, Jonathan.
0: Yeah. So take us back. I mean, uh, we know your history because we've known you, you know, grew up, uh, was it Ohio? Uh, and working yeah. in um, papers and things like that, even tried to run for office once. I remember hearing that story. Um, and <laughs> But you wound up in journalism, wound up at the, the Foreign Mission Board uh, at that time, now IMB, and then moved from there in 92 to Baptist Press. So t- talk us to how you wound up in Southern Baptist World and then wound up at Baptist Press.
2: I uh, worked in newspapers in Ohio, but then my mother was from Mississippi. And we'd go down there for summer vacations. And so um, at a certain point, I kind of thought, well, I'd like to see how my mother's half of the family lived. Uh, so uh, I called around and uh, got a hold of somehow to the, edit, the Baptist, uh, no, the, the, excuse me, the Jackson Daily News, the editor. He said, well, why do you want to come to Mississippi? And I said, well, my mother's from Mississippi. And he said, where? And I said, well, it's Smithdale. And it's not really Smithdale. It's Mars Hill, and it's not really Mars Hill. No, it's Smithdale, Mars Hill. Yeah, Macomb, Smithdale, Mars Hill. When I said Mars Hill, he said, my wife's from Mars Hill. And so
0: That's I hilarious.
2: Got the job. And so, um, anyway, I was the first uh, religion writer the paper had ever had, and lasted there five and a half years. Uh, decided that I needed to really know more about just faith, because I was... You know, didn't know much. I kind of was at the mercy of whoever would tell me anything. So I went to Southwestern Seminary for a year. The last year, we were, me and a friend were the co-news directors. And then um, at a certain point, I got a call from um, mission board. Bob Stanley who was the news director and asked if I'd be willing to uh, come there to work as one of the writers. And so it was either finish my degree or uh, go to work at the mission board. I chose, of course, the mission board. And uh, so it was there seven years. And then Baptist Press in 92 and was actually there nearly 28 years.
0: I'll tell you what's going to happen. Adam Greenway is going to hear this art, this interview, and he's going to call you and try to get you to come back and finish your degree.
1: Yes, he is.
0: Um, my so, wife
2: wanted me to finish it for sure. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's funny. So, so you wound up, in, and then in 92 you come over to the, the Southern Baptist Executive Committee at that time to, to run Baptist Press. or Were you the editor whenever you came? Yes. Okay. So came to run it, and, and it, had been, it had really kind of a tumultuous few years, I think that's a safe way to say it, in the late 80s, early 90s. And so you walked in, and you now are the guy in charge of the denominational news service. And what was that like coming from, from Richmond into Nashville as kind of the guy now having to figure that out on a day-to-day basis?
2: And replaced the fellow who had been fired, sat in his chair, for six years, I got a new chair. <laughs> and literally,
1: uh, you literally, you symbolically, and literally sat in his chair. Chair, yeah, yeah.
2: But you know, when my stories at the Mission Board kept appearing in Baptist Press, you know, it, it kind of came. And when I was approached to be the editor, it just kind of clear to me that as long as my name is going to be in Baptist Press, I might as well uh, go there and work and try to put things together. There really was was a great system when I went in. So it's not like you had to uh, uh, do anything other than, well, you had to do something. Uh, the system existed. There were, You know, writers and all the entities that were good still are. And um, so the biggest thing was just uh, getting back to work. One of the fun things of sorts was that uh, individuals I worked with was Tom Strode, the uh, Washington bureau chief, and he still is that for the ERLC. And I remember in those early days, he would give me all these explanations of legal things. Something called the lemon test, and you know this. Mm -hmm. I've forgotten it, but it was just time after time where Tom would uh, educate me in Washington that we had to pay attention to uh, as Baptist press. And he um, his stories were you know star, but they were just so solid. I remember um, he would write a story, say about something in the pro life area, and it would start off with our perspective, you know, our Baptist perspective. And then somewhere in the middle, maybe halfway, he would put in a couple, two or three paragraphs about the pro-choice commentators, whoever was complaining. And he'd give them a couple paragraphs. He still still does. And then we come back and finish the story with the Baptist perspective. And uh, I just, you know, really learned from that, that uh, uh, he had, a, you know, I think our stories were fair to the pro-choice people. We didn't shut and go to their second or third or fourth lower argument. We picked up the stuff they really wanted to say, but I just really uh, learned and respected and that Tom would uh, bring that kind of balance uh, to the stories. And that was one of my early uh, joys of working with Tom, learning his patience with me and uh, probably still has patience for whomever he's dealing with uh, on any given story.
0: Yeah. Tom is a pro. Uh, I mean, his stuff still, I mean, it's, some of the cleanest stuff we get, you know, George Schroeder would probably echo this. Oh, I know he would, cause he's, he's mentioned it to me. We've had this discussion, Tom stuff, whenever he comes in, I mean, it's, it's a light feather, you know, kind of a feather dusting of an edit on those things. I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot because I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's always clean. He's been doing it for so long. You know, it's exactly where the stories go and it, and he always just cranks them out. So I, I totally agree with that.
2: Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, of course uh, also a can do kind of attitude. I remember when, um Dolly the Sheep was cloned, and I guess that was, what, 1999, and I remember calling Tom at home late at night, saying, we need to do a story tomorrow about the cloning of Dolly the Sheep, you know, an ethical standpoint, and so, sure enough, uh, he got on it, next day we had to find Dolly the sheep story, and covered that a lot of, a lot of times, uh, that whole thing, well, still goes on, but... Uh, I just remember the can-do kind of thing uh, time and time again. There'd be quite a few times that I would have to you know, check in with him in the evening. He'd be working on a story the next day, and we'd have it in good shape by by deadline time.
1: Well, so tell me what some of your favorite stories were through the years, like maybe from the human interest side of things. What were some of the most special things you got to witness uh, in terms of Southern Baptists doing ministry and missions in the field?
2: There have been so many, you know, uh, in terms of mission, mission stories. I'm not really necessarily recalling one. What really sticks with me is the 1995 resolution on racial reconciliation. You know, we got word of it kind of uh, maybe in late winter, spring, that that sort of thing was happening. We carried a few stories. And uh, I just remember, I can't even put know what the words are, how great it was. And what a privilege it was to just be in the newsroom, getting some of those stories through. That really is just sticks with me. Of course, one was about a veteran, 92-year-old veteran, who um, had a home intruder. This is Columbus, Georgia, I think. And um, he fought the intruder and was killed, protected his wife, and the pastor I interviewed walked me through just so much about the man's life it was just such a witness for christ about who he was during world war ii uh korean war vietnam and his last stand was defending his wife and how the pastor narrated who he was as a person as a believer it's one of the strongest stories i could recall writing
1: that actually that takes me a second because that just touches me
0: so with 30 years of experienced you know, roughly around 30 years in, in Nashville, plus your time at the IMB, Foreign Mission Board at that time. Walk us through like some of the people. I mean, you, you rubbed shoulders with a lot of, you know, probably dignitaries, things like that that come through the building or interviewed. What are some of the, the bigger interviews that you, you know, maybe a, an assignment or something that you had to go and travel and do that, you know, you look back on and go, I cannot believe I, I was able to do?
2: Well, a lot of times it wasn't me writing the story or doing the interview. So, I'm not too sure whom I met. We had a lot of people come through, you know, delegations from Korea, and it was always fun to meet them. Um, But I'm not too sure how many stories I can recall. I do remember um, a lot of times where uh, there would be kind of some key moments come along. And I think particularly deaths of uh, W.A. Criswell, Adrian Rogers, Herschel Hobbs, and how we had to put together a whole package of Stories. Of, I interviewed Adrian Rogers about uh, over the phone, about maybe a month before he died, kind of a brief five minute interview. He was upbeat, as you might expect. Uh, but doing those kinds of obituaries, telling the story of who they were and kind of giving their witness even in death, uh, Billy Graham would be another one. So I think uh, navigating through some of those key obits, you know, we will probably even face any more, of course, in the days ahead. Those have been some significant... I did interview Billy once back in 1977, I guess it was, in Cincinnati at the newspaper there. I had about 15 minutes with him, and I was writing a story for Cincinnati today. And I just remember, walked into some kind of locker room, and I just remember how at ease I felt with him. It was, it was amazing. And so... Um, Yeah, that was a great interview. And I had others back when I was in newspaper work. Um, G.I. Packer was a marvelously humorous guy. I interviewed him in Brookhaven, Mississippi. Uh, Carl F.H. Henry was a marvelous interview back in the day. He was at the Seminary in Jackson, Reform Seminary, and I went out to interview him. Just a great interview. And uh, he was kind. He had about 40 books and the seminary had a display of them, and so he was kind of posed for a picture with all his forty books. I remember, uh, kind of, uh, him kind of humoring me on that. Um, so I, you know, I've had those kinds of interviews. I interviewed Robert Schuler one time for about thirty seconds um, because uh, I was witnessing to some other reporter. So it came my turn to interview Robert Schuler, and uh, so I told another reporter uh, to go ahead and interview him, and I'll Talk, keep talking here. So this other reporter, she asked him the most inept questions I've ever heard in my life. And so when it came my turn next to interview Robert Schuler, he had had enough of you know poor inept questions. So he said, "I'm sure you can get whatever you need by reading one of my books." So, um, any rate,
1: <laughs> wow,
0: it's, that's the same thing Amy does whenever people interview her. So
1: oh, <laughs> t- you better take that back. <laughs>
2: I also got to interview Francis Schaeffer uh, when he came to Jackson for a seminar.
1: Oh my goodness.
2: That was a good interview, but it wasn't exactly the same as, uh, you know, uh, Carl F.H. Henry or, um, or J.I. Packer. Those were kind of the two best. Uh, Chuck Colson, I interviewed. He was, uh, I remember what, well, actually it was one of the first stories I ever did there where he came to Mississippi and there was a ministry down in rural Mississippi Place called Mendenhall, and they had a thrift store. And so the ministry people and uh, met there. Chuck Colson came in, and I came in to do the story. And I just remember he walked around this thrift store, rural Mississippi, trying to make conversation with, you know, people, real rural uh, people, uh, most African Americans, and just how he really tried to relate to people out there in the hinterlands of Mississippi. And I just respected the daylight side of that for sure.
1: Wow. Well, have you have you had any experiences with like anything funny that has happened along the way or kind of surprising, um, you know, th- sort of those things that stick out, stick out in your memory, maybe in the more humorous category?
2: I don't know. Um, we used to do a story or kind of a, I guess you'd say a column or something called BP Brights. And they would be one paragraph or two paragraphs things that were funny and for some reason they just kind of died out so I don't know if there was anything necessarily funny but um, you asked the question I'll try to I'll say this one little experience I had in the very first convention I was at 92 a writer that we cover something I forget exactly what wrote something about Judge Pressler and uh, caused a real controversy And so Judge Pressler objected to what was written. And uh, so he came into the newsroom and several others, I think maybe Ronnie Floyd was part of this discussion, gathered around. And so um, a number of them, I think James Merritt too, they all went off somewhere with Herb Hollinger, who was the vice president who had hired me. They all went off somewhere and it left me there with Judge Pressler, just alone, just the two of us. And so... um, I told him that I think I'm the one who's made this mistake. And uh, I don't know if he ever really had, had you know, too many people admit mistakes or whatever. We just had a, a good time that day uh, That while they were waiting for the other people to come back. It turned out that the writer had quoted him and, from an, and made it look like he made a statement to the whole convention, which he had never done. Mm-hmm. So the writer kind of um, did us a, did us a uh, disservice, a huge disservice the way they framed the story. So they resolved it with Judge Pressler. And um, so he and I became friends that day and pretty much had a friendship over the years. I mean, it wasn't like I called every day or anything, but he was always gracious uh, to everything we were doing at Baptist Press. That's the first time I think I've ever told that little moment of story.
1: (laughs) What would be some of the most memorable things from annual meetings? Which, of course, I guess you spent a lot of the annual meetings in windowless rooms not not necessarily on the floor is that correct
2: yeah yeah i'm always in the newsroom uh, you know co- editing copy and also making sure that all the uh stories are being covered you know we have a, a list right. of stories uh-huh. that need to happen so making sure the writer is out there or if there's something that breaks um you've got to find a writer to um to do the story one time I think I was down to nobody and I forget what was happening, but if one more thing happened, I didn't know who was going to cover it. And thankfully nothing happened. that. But I just remember the tension of saying, Oh, not, not anything more, please. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have a team of about 25 writers and they would go to all the, a lot of the floor sessions, a lot of the um, auxiliary meetings uh, covering just any number of things, so we had quite a schedule of stories, and we'd end up publishing. And I think probably it's still, least, um, sixty to a hundred stories each, each annual meeting.
1: That's crazy. Are you just were you just exhausted at the end? Like, did you collapse at the end of the week?
2: No, we 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 didn't really. I didn't. Really, we had Fridays off, so I guess I could kind of home and mow the lawn and things like that. Um, you know, the, the annual meeting is kind of like a, our Super Bowl for at least, well, so many people, you know, not just Baptist Press, but it's such an important gathering of determining the direction of a lot of things within the SBC. So I guess as much as anything, I might be, I remember kind of being energized by it. Maybe others did, but uh, I just came home and mowed the lawn and things like that.
1: <laughs> All right. So you now, though, you're in retirement Doing lots of different things, but you have written a book, "Viral Vitality." So tell us how it came about.
2: Well, I was, uh, I was, I have been working at the uh, Southern Baptist Historical Library and Archives two days a week since retirement. And when the building closed during COVID um, in March, uh, you know, I didn't have a job, and so um, I was at the YMCA, kind of flailing around in the pool. I can't jump around and try to get some exercise and I was just saying Lord what do you want me to do now and um, it seemed like the word was write a book and so I'm still exercising there and uh, um, and then I said well what would be the title and the words Viral Vitality came to mind more to the title now I left the Y that day saying well I guess I'll try to write a book and at that time you know I kind of had the idea that our supernatural faith, if you believe in the resurrection, we do believe in the resurrection. It's such a supernatural thing that, you know, really everything about our faith is supernatural. Everything about our faith should give us vitality. And so um, I had the first kind of idea that maybe it'd be um, viral vitality for your, you know, your soul, yourself. And then, um, as I kind of working on it, uh, became vitality, vitality in your circumstances. And then uh, vitality in your relationships and uh, vitality in your world. And that chapter is uh, church. You know, the church is a glorious thing. Um, you know, what is it? Second Peter says, um, you know, you're, uh, let's see, how's that go here? You're a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And so that's one of those chapters in the book. And then the fifth one is uh, uh, vitality in your future. And so um, it kind of came together. I was surprised as to how much from scripture that I'd been memorizing for years uh, started that around 2000. And, uh, a speaker at church just kind of exhorted us to uh, memorize scripture. So I started with the fruit of the spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I remember kind of speaking that to my daughter one day uh, at uh clean up the table. And I said, you know, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. and she looked at me kind of like I was crazy because we made her do Bible drill. And she kind of looked like, well, do adults do that too? And uh, so I don't know. I just kind of felt like I was really onto something and, uh, Memorize the uh, wisdom from above, James 3.17. And, you know, that first year I probably only memorized four, five, six. It's really average about that. And so all these scriptures um, in different ways, I've got them on a little laminated card so I could sort them around as I was writing. And all they, all they, they all came together. There's one chapter that really talks about um, the fact that during a pandemic, a lot of things like uh, pornography, sex trafficking, uh, sexual abuse. These don't go away. Opioid addiction. And so there's a chapter that kind of deals with, you know, hope for even in those kinds of things that people struggle with. And so, uh, all of that came this ebook. I couldn't, it was such a fast track that, you know, no publisher really wanted to publish it because it wouldn't come out for, I guess, a few months. So I had to do an ebook of it. And, uh, so it's the, it's the third ebook I've done. The other two are about memorizing scripture there. They're titled meditation, but it's another word for nobody wants to necessarily say memorize scripture. So I say, well, meditate on it then. And uh, so those—that's—that's that's the third book, and uh, uh, it's just really kind of exciting to see God kind of work through scripture I'd memorized in my brain to put together something like that. Very cool.
0: And and, and by the way, I, we can testify to the memorization because anytime you see art, if he's got a shirt pocket. His memorization cards are right there. So he's got them on him at all times.
2: <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so, well, it's a, it's a marvelous thing. Um, you know, I lived, I became a Christian in the summer of 1971. And uh, it was a great moment in my life. It was on the front porch, it was during one of those vacations to Mississippi. And uh, it was a great moment in my life. And, you know, early on, somebody kind of said, Don't ever be afraid of the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't until, you know, around 2000 that I kind of began seeing the power of God's word. Uh, you know, it's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And uh, so even since then, it's been just a, a marvelous thing to sense God's Holy Spirit working through scripture to kind of make us who we need to be.
1: Well, I uh, I was certainly blessed by it, especially at a time when, um, you know, th- this was a it was just a very spiritually intense time, I think, for everyone in, in in the church to process what was happening, and so it came at that time um, and I was really blessed by it so'll we'll, we'll have a link to it out there. We've, I've, uh, I think I shared it as a resource of the week, but it'll be shared again with this interview so folks can go to it and get that.
2: Super, thanks, appreciate it.' It's, you know it's kind of a witnessing tool. you know I was thinking today actually. You know, you can go into a Hallmark store and find thinking of you cards, <laughs> and now in the p- pandemic, an ebook can be kind of a thinking of you in kind of an important way to share, share your faith. There's two chapters that pretty clearly set out the plan of salvation.
1: Very cool.
2: Very I think
1: cool. that's really great. That's really great.
0: Well, Art, we really appreciate you taking the time and joining us in uh, 300 episodes. I know you've listened to many, if not all. And we appreciate that. You've been a, a friend of ours for a long time and a friend of the pod, and we uh, are just delighted to have you on today and wish you all the best in the future. Yes. Well, and we you.
1: thank you. And we thank you for your service to Southern Baptists. So.
2: Well, I appreciate it. There are so many to, you know, who are co-labored with me over the years. I want to thank them as well for just ways, that so many ways to make Baptist present it is.
0: Well, it was great to be able to sit down and talk with Art this week. A great way to cap off this three hundredth episode, Amy. But that is gonna bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds.
1: All right. This week I am gonna go way, 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 way back to eighteen forty.
0: Well, Amy, the SBC wasn't even founded then.
1: Correct. But it was a very important date, and I guess technically. This would be the right date for last Saturday, so it's kind of last week, but we're going to make it this week, okay?
0: Well, it happened this this past week. Yeah, this SBC
1: past history. week, because we, this drops on Friday, so it's the past week. So, last Saturday, December 12th, 1840, Lottie Moon was born.
0: That seems like a big deal.
1: Yes, in Albemarle County, Virginia, as basically... I'm gonna tell you a little bit about her, but if you're listening to a podcast about the SBC and I have to tell you who Lottie Moon is, well, let's just say I don't think any I don't think any of (laughs) them
0: Welcome uh, to the SBC. I don't
1: think any such listener exists. So
0: basically this is the first time you've ever listened to this podcast or set foot in a Southern Baptist church. So maybe so.
1: Yes. So it's nice to have you a very well-known, well-loved and respected missionary to China for nearly 40 years. And of course she was, um, highly instrumental in initiating the first Christmas offering for foreign missions in 1888, um, and that is now known as the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, and so many uh, many of our churches participate in that. And some are, are like we're we're getting more because there are a lot of churches who don't. But uh, as as letter writing campaigns are going out and and things like that to reach those churches, we hope to add even more to that. But Lottie Moon, she's born in Virginia, uh, converted in the spring of 1859, and then volunteered for missionary service in 1873 in response to a sermon on the text, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Um, and so, one of the reasons that, you know, there were, she was not the only missionary at that time, and she was not the only woman on the field at the time, but one of the reasons that she is so so meaningful to us, even still today, is because so many of her her le- letters. She just wrote letters to everyone. Prolific yes. is the word we're looking. Yeah, she wrote letters to the presidents of uh, the Foreign Mission Board. She wrote letters back to the churches. She wrote uh, wrote everyone, and so we have all of those. We're able to really put put that together. Um,
0: she wrote letters to Toy
1: Crawford. Toy, yes. Yes, she did. So lots of, of things. And then she uh, she worked so hard. She spent 14 years in China before taking her first furlough. Um, but then and then was willing to suffer with the Chinese people, everything. So she's just really uh, very important in Baptist history. And um, I don't know, you know, she's buried in Virginia, and I've- Yes,
0: you've been to her I have more than grave. once. we talked about that on the podcast. Right, more
1: than once. So whenever I'm going through um, crew, I believe it is, we will kind of stop and I'll walk over there. So really meaningful, but- and
0: little connection to this week's podcast episode too, sent out from First Baptist, Cartersville, Georgia. That's right. That was her sending church where- Scott,
1: Scott Barkley. Yes. Barkley. Yes. From. So, so a connection. full circle and also yep. works very well right at Christmas. And so really important figure in Baptist history. And she was born this week in SBC history.
0: Happy birthday, Lottie.
1: A hundred and eighty years ago.
0: That's a lot of candles. It is. Take a take a big cake for that, by the way. Yes, it would. So right, Yeah. So 180 years ago this week. In SBC history, Lottie Moon was born. And you know, speaking of Lottie Moon, as we move to our resources of the week, only fitting that we hear from our unofficial missionaries of the podcast. Is is it fair to call them that?
1: I mean, we do have uh, we do have more than just them. We have yes, other missionaries them. that that listen. Um, yes. but, and,
0: and that we know, and they're friends with, too. right. Taryn I mean,
1: Daniel Rice and, uh, you know, others, I know the tollers. We, right. We I got mean, others. I've got
0: a friend, um,
1: but William, Central Asia. yes, but William and Heidi Hahn, we've had them on the podcast. They had a great interview and we'll put that in the show notes since we're mentioning yeah. them today. So you can go back and listen to that interview, um, that I think, yeah, that's the one that I just did. Like. I did cuz you had a yeah, technical
0: cuz I had something right, happen right. and I couldn't. So I had an it.
1: incredible conversation with them. Uh but yeah, they're friends of the pod. They're we like to call them like our missionaries of the pod. Yeah.
0: And they and they listen every week in Ghana. Right. We have we are we're global. We have Ghanaian listeners.
1: Well, yeah. Let's let's not take too many victory laps on that. So we're just excited that okay. they're that they're listening. We're grateful.
0: A big fan yeah, of Ghana. Yeah. So what's by the, the resource? Good soccer team. Yeah.
1: So what's the resource? All right,
0: resource. All right. So resource. Instead of like giving a resource, we're going to play the audio of a video. They sent out a a kind of a year end recap telling about what's going on with them this year. Uh, they're back in Ghana. They spent a few months stateside because of COVID nineteen global pandemic. But they got back into Ghana. I think he said in September. Uh, it's in the audio here. But we're going to play the audio of the video. Um, you're not going to miss a whole lot because they talk about. You know, everything's audio based, so you, you're not missing a whole lot on the video if you don't listen, watch the video. But I do recommend you go see the video because there's going to be one part where they talk about their son and his unicycle and they show him doing some tricks. And Amy, I would be laid up in a bed for a week if I tried that um, or longer. Yeah. Uh, because there ain't no way not- that I could do that on a bicycle, let alone a unicycle.
1: Yeah. No No unicycles here.
0: No that that would be bad for me and my body and it would be really bad so the life insurance policy may get used if i tried that so um yeah so here's the the audio of this uh, from william and heidi hahn and their update this year from ghana
3: hi i'm william hahn your imb missionary to ghana
1: my name is heidi i work as a surgeon here at the baptist medical center hi i'm trey i'm in ninth grade and i like to draw and unicycle Hi, I'm KJ. I'm five years old. I like to ride bike. I like to play, pretend, and play tennis.
3: 2020 has definitely been a crazy year, but we've seen over and over how gracious our God is. Our time in the U.S. was wonderful, but after three months of being stuck due to the pandemic, we were really anxious to get back to West Africa. Thankfully, God provided a way And in September, we were able to come back, and most importantly, come back COVID free.
1: When we got back to Nalergu in the end of September, I jumped right back into the work at the hospital and doing surgeries again. With pandemic, we've had no volunteers coming from outside Europe or the US since March. So I've been relying heavily on the Ghanaian doctors and staff to help me out. And God's grace and strength have given me the ability to persevere.
3: Trey also jumped right into his work. Soon as we got here, he got his unicycles out and he started teaching his friends and now he's just got a little club of clowns riding around.
1: Dad, you know clowns and unicycles is a bad stereotype. Street unicycling is an extreme sport and it's really cool.
3: Okay, fair enough, Trey. KJ also has a new group of friends. She rides her bike every day to a kindergarten class where she meets for a few hours and has made lots of new friends at her school there and loves it. So we wanna thank you for your ongoing support of missions, especially in a difficult year like 2020. Your church's support of the cooperative program and your giving to the annual Lottie Moon Christmas offering is really what allows us to be here and continue our ministry, preaching the gospel and healing the sick. God bless you all and Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas.
1: All right, so we're going to leave you with that. That is our joint resource of the week this week because we think that just is a blessing to everyone, especially as we encourage people to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And so with that, that ends our last regular episode of the year. And boy, this was a big one. Lots of news in this one.
0: Lots of news, a big interview. That's right. Our missionaries of the pod, Lottie Moon's birthday.
1: Right, but what here's, a way to
0: cap off three hundred.
1: That's right. But here's what I'm hoping is that with all the news we had in this one, we're going into the end of the year. We it just let's let's let everything get quiet, like yep. just
0: take a break, folks. That's right.
1: Not, not not a lot of major news. Spend time with your families, relax, have a wonderful Christmas. But we will have episodes dropping. We will not be... On Christmas and New Year's. Right. We will not be recording on Christmas or New Year's. Um, I have no interest in doing that, but we will pre-record those, and they will be our special year-end episodes that we always yeah. do.
0: So, look for those. So, you, you know, turn on the podcast, open presents with the family, with the pod going in the background. Mm,
1: I don't recommend that, but... Okay. Yeah.
0: Maybe not. That You don't do that? That's not what you do every year? No. No? Nope. Okay. Well this year's year to start something new Amy. yeah you can maybe try it, try it just here. see see if uh, Mary and Drew go for that just,
1: oh I you know. yeah I can tell you what they would say Um, but the okay. f-
0: Ronnie and Caroline wouldn't be no, fans of that no. no
1: so the one that will drop on Christmas Day will be our end of the year where we sort of talk through retrospective of kind of the top stories of the year everything that's been going on Um, and then I will unveil my list of most fascinating Southern Baptists. Ooh. And so this is going to be an interesting year to reflect on. And then... then Maybe
0: I'll make it this year. Yeah.
1: And then the next week, New Year's. Yeah, we'll see. Good luck. The next week will be our sort of projecting forward and looking at our questions for 2021, uh, which maybe will be a little more on point than our 2020 questions, because nobody saw a lot of things coming this year. Well, so.
0: I mean... Well, that happens every year, but this year I think was a special uh, one a little bit more than normal It was special. the things that we missed that's right kind of deal. that's
1: right, but anyway, so. we'll we'll get to, we'll get to all that uh in the next few weeks.
0: All right, well, that sounds good. so uh folks again, appreciate you one more year. I mean we'll we'll talk about this next week when we do the year in wrap, but we really appreciate you listening each and every week. We appreciate Southwestern coming alongside of a sponsor in the podcast here, uh, lately and, uh, do take them out the joint MDiv that they've got with Dallas Baptist. So, uh, once again, Amy, I'll see you next week.
1: See you next week. Merry Christmas.